0: Welcome back to Spirituality and Business Leadership Podcast, aka the Mac and Woolley Show. I am Jennifer Woolley, your host for this episode, and today I'm talking with Chip Adams. Chip is currently the chairman of the Center for Conscientious Leadership, where he and a group of seasoned executives work to develop the next generation of leaders of integrity and impact. He also works as a board member for several firms, including WellBe Health, Anthos Capital, and Morgan Stanley's Expansion Capital. He was also a board member of Under Armour, as well as their chief performance officer. I got to know Chip when I was the chair of the management department at Santa Clara University, and Chip came to us and proposed this incredible, pretty novel course called Conscientious Capitalism. The course was launched five years ago, and over 200 students have gone through this program. And I hope you enjoy the interview. We get started by talking a little bit about Chip's own story.
1: Wow, Jennifer, <laughs> um, and well, first of all, thank you for thank you for having me today. I'm, uh, you know, I've, I love our conversations, and sharing this is going to be a you know really uh, just you know a joy for me. So thank you, appreciate that.
0: Sorry, um, I already went off script.
1: Well, you should go off script because that makes this even better. So um, no, it was really interesting when you said uh, would you come in to chat about spirituality in business. I got t- I had to pause for two reasons. One is. I'm no expert on spirituality or business. Uh, I just am trying to do the spirituality journey better each day. Um, and the, the second thing is it just has to be taken in the context of looking backwards because, you know, hindsight is a gift. And at 67, I can look back. I don't believe that there are lessons that are better, I think there would just be more experiences that might be uh, illuminating to some people about the journey. And so, you know, you talk about the the uh, story, you know, it is a story t- to spirituality. My my whole story is is that because, you know, the, the brief version is I, I was raised in New Jersey in a small town, Catholic community. There were the Catholics, there were the Greeks, there were the Italians, the rich Italians, the mafia were up in the other part of town.
0: There the Capulets, the Montagues.
1: It was, but but in Saint Rose was the community, In Elmwood Place was fifty three kids all going to Saint Rose, the Catholic community, and it was idyllic. You know, you walk to school, you walk to church, you come home, you play in the street, you're out at five o'clock, you do your homework, you got the nuns, you got the priests, and that was the world, and it was it was really really cool. Um, part of the story was how great that was, and and you know the altar boy and the Latin, and uh, it was you know it just was a way of life, and it was a simple. Yeah. Way of life, a fun way of life, and then it came crashing down, all in the space of eighteen months. That uh, when I was fourteen, my my uh, my dad uh, when went bankrupt mm. starting a new company. Now, in nineteen sixty four in New Jersey was not the time to be engaged <laughs> as entrepreneurship. Yes. And when you fail in a tiny little town, there's a lot of shame because you owe people right. around town money. So that was one. Then my parents got divorced. And in a Catholic community, oh. where. Dad was head of the Holy Name Society. You know, the effect on a 14 year old was unknown to me. All I, all I, I, when I look back on it, I have, I understand it better. I just dove into anything but home. And I got lucky because the community was so strong. I dove into school. I dove into sports. I had great grades. I was captain of two teams. I was raising money for the Project Hope. I was, but it could have been right. drinking. It could have yeah. been anything else. And I know that that was a gift. Um, but what made me feel good was all the achievements, was all the things I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it kept going. So then I go and I, I get into Princeton and I go there and I get a job coming out of Princeton at Citibank. It said number one training program. The only, I didn't know what finance was. <laughs> I had never heard of the Wall Street Journal, but I applied to this bank. And they liked the fact that I sold hot dogs to work my way through school. I was an entrepreneur. I had to look that one up in the dictionary. <laughs> I really did. And, uh, and then coming out to Stanford, all this stuff sounds so great. And then Bain, which is a big consulting firm. And I started their venture capital operation at 27. It's, you know, it sounds so great. And it, by the way, I was a good kid. But on the other hand, all this stuff looks great. Youngest venture partner, blah, blah, blah. I was churning on the inside. Mm -hmm. Truly, I was churning because I kept chasing the next thing to be successful. Not the day of doing things, but the vision of being successful in everybody's eyes. And also, accomplishment because of my fear of failure and financial failure drove me to not spend money, but to put money in the bank. And that became my big car. I didn't have a good, nice car. They go, why? He's so rich. He hadn't done a car. I had a bank account. And when I saw the number grow, yeah. that was my car. Yep. That was my house. That was, and I was so deep into what we call the three lies. And Henry Nowen talks about episode sort of Socrates, you know, what you accomplish, what you have and what people think of you. And I was chasing accomplishment and what people think of me. And I got so bad they had to go get help. Truly had to go get help. I had to go I went to a therapist to say, this stinks. I, I don't know what I'm doing. I also went to two men who helped me out.
0: That's actually pretty um well self-aware to understand that you needed help or that you would be willing to get help, because a lot of people would just keep going and burn themselves out or reach a sad destination. So For you to to take that opportunity and really transform your life, that's a huge thing.
1: I wish that were true. It's true. No, I actually (laughs) did hit a bottom for Mm. me. I was wearing heart monitors. I was going to work doing venture capital deals and trying to compete with the best of the best and then going home and not being able to sleep at night to the point where emotionally I went to the people who gave me the money for my new fund and said, take it back. And they said, no relax. So it was then that I said, I better have a change. But when you talk about, you know, where do we come from? A lot of great stuff. But it was the challenges that I was unaware of. I thought I was a good Catholic. I'm going to daily mass. I'm teaching Sunday school. But interiorly, was I religious? No. I was going to church. Mm -hmm. Was I spiritual? No. I thought religion was what I was supposed to do. So I was neither religious right. nor spiritual, and that was my problem: mm-hmm. was not being spiritual. That dawning was that I have a lot of things; and I have no fulfillment. Sort of took me to a, a, lower pl- a lower place. I needed to crawl out of that hole.
0: That makes sense. I
1: couldn't live. I couldn't live like that anymore. And that's really the story of the journey that you know we're, we're chatting about.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, That's intense. I mean, that's, that's a great story. I, I think that a lot of people, they may not have hit rock bottom, but they do feel unfulfilled. They do feel like something is missing. And they may not have, you know, they may not have the heart monitor, but they may be close or on the road to getting that. Um, and I I completely understand how you're saying that religion was a checkbox. You were yes. doing it. You were getting it out of the way. You were achieving that. Because you were supposed to, because you were a good Catholic boy. Yep, um, exactly. And, and you know, once you check that, okay, now move on to the next thing I need to do. Next thing. And what is it going to take to get to the next achievement? Um, which obviously takes a lot out of you. So what happened next?
1: So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll fast forward further ahead. No, I'll, I'll continue the story and then you can cut it out. <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I went to... Um, I got, again, I, I have been so lucky. I went to two um, very uh, much older men um, and told them. And I had always lived the lie that I had to be strong or peer strong, even when I wasn't, because in my business role and also my life, I didn't share. Yeah. I didn't let it. No one knew what I was going through. But I went to these uh, two men. One was a founder of The Gap and the other was a, a, one of the, the largest investors and best, greatest philanthropists of the last 50 years. They were older. And I just, I broke down and cried. And they heard the story. I said, I suck at this. I'm terrible at that. This is terrible. I want to give the money back. You don't even want to be with me. I don't even know why I'm here. And they smiled at each other. And one of them turned to me and said, you know, now that we know you, we'll help you. And but if we both agree on what you might want to do next, our suggestion is you just do it. Then <laughs> then we'll feel useful. And I'm thinking, "We do it. Tell me anything. Anything you tell me is better. So I was hungry to hear, which motivated them to help. If it wasn't for those two men in my life, I don't know where my professional career would have been. Mm -hmm. And you fast forward uh, through four kids and and marriage and, and, you know, one significant uh, immune disease with one of the kids. And we all have challenges in our life. Um, And then I ran into um, another another individual who changed my life and brought me into this spiritual journey that we're going to talk about that I'm trying to be on as best as I can. But that was um, uh, the former president of Santa Clara. I went to and said, I really want to do the Ignatian exercises. I want to do the, you know, the 19th annotation. I want to go through this whole process. And he said, let me give you my best friend, Jerry McKevitt, Father Jerry McKevitt chairman of the history department a long time ago, he was older, he was wise. And he said, go talk to Jerry. And I sat down with Jerry and he, we chatted for a couple hours. And He said, you know, let's do this again. Let's don't worry about the exercises. They'll come. What he meant was, you're nowhere close to the <laughs> exercises. Why don't we just chat <laughs> let's about do the a warm up? <laughs> why don't we start by chatting about what you want in life? Mm-hmm. What is it you want out of your spiritual journey? And that's the question he asked. He said, you know, because this is all about your relationship. And I am brought up in the Christian tradition. There are so many ways to approach mm-hmm. spirituality. But in my case, he said, what do you want from God? What do you want to be for God? And he wasn't talking about the Our Father, the Hail Mary. He was talking about me.
0: Right.
1: What do you think you want? Mm-hmm. And we chatted and we talked. And uh, that was went on for 11 years and then I did the exercises. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's but, interesting that you say that because the exercises, it was almost like you were still in the mindset that you had to get this done. Bingo. But somebody wiser came along and said, let me help you get to the phase where those will be even useful or more useful than if you had done them 11 years earlier.
1: Jerry, I can't tell you. I have, I have, a, I have a, a page on my wall as I enter my bedroom and as I enter my office and it's Jerry's questions and every question was a gentle question about, do you know that you are loved? Mm. What do you mean father? Well, do you know that no matter who you are, the most honest person you are is the one that's loved, not the one that you, you're, you're worried about. And he went through all, you know, again, one by one, he dismantled the walls of the lies yeah. by questions and gentleness and kindness and said, well, when those are sort of dissembled, we can start talking about other things that might be really useful. His favorite thing was useful. And that became, that began my spiritual journey. So that's the the story of how I started and I'm still wow. on a journey. So I got very lucky with three people in my life. And then, yeah. you know, Nancy, my wife, who, as I said to you, I consider my North star um you know who really has taught me how to love and be loved and that has opened up a whole different set of doors mm-hmm. um in terms of being okay just being where we are which was a wildly yeah. new concept to me
0: i think it is for a lot of people a lot of people you bet you know we're we're either looking in the past or in the in the future right and we're not present for whatever that means so that's actually a huge gift
1: well, they say that to me, again, there's so many things to talk about in terms of ideas and thoughts. But one of the things that hit me was, you know, that you know, I think it was Merton that said the two greatest sins are regrets about the past and anxiety about the future. And what he really meant was those are the two things that eat at our soul. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to say in our heads, you know, it's the journey from head to heart that's right. the the hard one. And I, one of the things that with Jerry McKevitt, Father McKevitt, was – He helped me understand the joy of small steps where prior to that, I only knew the uh, journey to try to achieve joy at success, which never was joyful. And the idea you can have joy each day for small steps. That was probably five years in the making to even begin to think, Oh, I think I understand. Right. So this was not a, A journey of be like me. It was a journey of my discovery of the need and the benefit and the joy of this process of becoming. Because I don't believe spirituality, Jennifer, is about being spiritual. I don't know what that would mean. There are so many definitions of spiritual. Mm -hmm. But for me, the, the thing I think about is it's not a state of being, but it's the desire for becoming. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're talking about the Dalai Lama or you're talking about Jesus Christ. It doesn't. They never stopped becoming. Right. And for me, that is the journey I'm on because I'm not even sure I'm out of the gate yet relative to where this journey could take me. But I do feel so much more uh, awareness and fulfillment being on it than chasing things that don't produce any joy
0: that makes sense because you know there's a static view and then there's the more evolving view mm-hmm. and that's really i think when a lot of people talk about spirituality they are they they do think of what's happening right now in terms of where am i and what do i need to do but when we when we really think about it and think about what does it mean to be spiritual mm-hmm. it's not static it, it's it's Growth—it's an education of the self. It's a learning about the self that takes a lot of time right. and energy.
1: So it's interesting when, you, when we were talking about this. You said, "What would you think is you know a good sort of definition of spirituality?" What's, what's the—and and I struggled with that because I—it can be so different for so many people. And spirituality doesn't divide like religion does. Yeah. Spirituality unites because one is the the I think most everybody I know that I would consider on a spiritual journey, it's the joy of becoming. As I said, that's Mm -hmm. one. The second piece of that is what you just said. It's your inner self, and there are some fundamental things about inner self that we all can share, regardless of the roots of our spirituality. Why am I here? Purpose, just so basic, and we spend a lot of time on that in our. Groups, but also in my vocation now and is purpose. You know, the other thing is to understand and develop our virtues because we all have goodness, right? And that's a something to be shared. The third for me is the whole idea of fearless awareness of our challenges, our disorders in the Jesuit tradition, disordered attachments, but every tradition has a way to talk about your emotional and life challenges. And we need to be fearless about that awareness and the only way to be fearless is to have to know that people love you for who you are and not who you're trying to be if we can get there which frankly that is one place i think i have gotten to and i need to keep nurturing is fearless awareness that other people see and uh and the last one is your belief system Mm -hmm. there has to be something that doesn't mean it has to be god we do a whole thing with our young people and we bring people in to talk about beliefs and but you have a belief, whether we know it or not. I have a belief. Now, mine's no different than my Hindu friends and my Buddhist friends and my Muslim friends. And I have, because of what we do, we have people from so many faiths. It's the same journey. Yeah. It's the same, but there has to be some recognition of what is at your innermost core of why you're here and what you believe, whatever it is that's true to you. Yeah. And I think that that to me, that's the spirituality, which is becoming the inner journey of virtues and purpose and your disorders, and then the how we apply that to our daily choices and actions. And to me that's the that's the journey I think we share. That's the mm-hmm. journey I believe I share with our twenty-two year olds who, as they know, I'm just on the journey. I'm not teaching the journey, I'm sharing the journey.
0: And what's like you said, what's really neat about that is that everybody can appreciate someone being on that journey. Because we know that mm-hmm. We're all struggling with those concepts. We're all struggling with uh, certain areas of our life that could be improved. And so, like you said, it it really does unite us um, because we're all we all understand the human or the fundamental nature of these questions, the fundamental humanness behind it.
1: Oh, I I couldn't agree more. And it's a little bit like walking across a bed of hot coals and trying to open a gate that's way too hard to open, which is to say. I am afraid. I am not a good husband. I am not good at my job. But when you open that door and you've said that to the people you trust, you have just opened a door that we all know because we've lived both sides of the door, not because we're smart, but when you get to be 67, you actually may have opened the door a little more. You walk through to what I call freedom. And now, You've got to do something with that to keep going, but you're not stuck looking at hot coals in a door that says, I can't share. I can't be vulnerable. I can't confront. I can't be myself. And that, especially in today's world of social media and the Instagram version of, you know, I'm comparing my inside to your pictures of your outside. Right. Right. You know, and there. It is so much harder today for all of young people, but all of us to be able to live the way we want to when it's so easy to compare against the wrong criteria. And if we can get beyond that, because we have people around us who are on the journey Mm -hmm. from all different beliefs, but on the journey of becoming, it makes it fun.
0: Yeah, and the and the coals cool off a little bit because you realize that you're all going towards the same door, and on the other side of the door, there's other people saying, "Hey, you made it!
1: Yes, Woo-hoo! right, you made it through that door. Now you now
0: come on, let's go yeah. to the next one. But now
1: you can get started on the spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah. you know one of the things I know is that I mean I, I say this, and, you know, for anybody that can place plays a sport in any sport, but I'll pick um, golf. Okay, I'm never in the fairway. Of spiritual golf. I'm never... I can't hit a ball straight. I always hit it into the water. <laughs> I I score 100 every time when you're supposed to score 70. I'm terrible at golf.
0: I'm in the weeds. Are you kidding? Yeah, I'm just a... sitting there like, okay, I am in the weeds. I cannot find the ball.
1: But I love <laughs> spiritual golf. I wake up every day saying, I want to get better at this. Why? Because of the, the progress... Little steps I think I've made and also the people I get to share that with. So I think the journey is wanting to do it. And then we try to open the best doors we can.
0: I like that. Okay. So there are doors. There's coal. (laughs) There's golf. (laughs) There's a lot to take in here, especially since I hate golf. I can hit straight. I just can't go very far.
1: Okay. You're you're a violinist. You're not the leader in the back. And you're never making the chords sound right. Your fingers are too fat. Yep. But you love playing the violin. Yep. It's,
0: I like the walk. I love a good walk.
1: You, how do you mess up a walk? I know.
0: Well, by trying to hit a stupid little white ball. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. This is Jennifer Woolley. Catch you next time on the SBL Podcast. Bye.